sing it and therein lies the problem of their own. So they say things like Theron, but they're wrong, Charlie's, they're wrong, and hence this song. are listening to Theranathon. We are taking you on an exciting and wonderful journey through the filmography of Charlize Theron. Today's episode is Snow White and the Huntsman, the 2012 live-action fairy tale desperately trying to make a young adult fiction <laughs> story out of Snow White. Yeah. I thought at first you meant like a young adult version of the fairy tale in keeping with her film Young Adult. And I was like, I don't really see that. I mean, she's unlikable. But but then I realized you were using actual words that made sense. Yeah, they just apply a lot of young adult tropes yes. to this story. Yes. We are recording this as a back-to-back with the prequel sequel, Huntsman Winter's War. Yeah. But we're going to try to keep it episode by episode. So let's talk about Snow White and the Huntsman, guys. Can we do our one-sound review to begin? Please. All right. I have to get very close to do my one-sound review. Okay. Because my one-sound review is... (sighs) That's so tiny. (laughs) The reaction I got from this movie is... (laughs) (laughs) But at a great distance. Yes, exactly. My one-sound review is... Uh, Ooh. Mine is kind of the opposite. It's... uh, This movie is too long. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. This movie is boring and intermittently beautiful. Yes. It has a final act that just is in there because all fantasy movies have to end in a battle. Mm -hmm. So. I literally thought this movie was over. And I had seen it before. Yep. And I thought it was over when there was half an hour left to go. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the, the end of the original Snow White story happens and then there's a battle. This is one of the only movies, so I originally saw this movie in theaters. Me too. I was like, yeah, doing it. This is my genre. And I went drunk, and I do not often do that for movies. It was long enough that by the end of it, I was stone cold sober. And that did not make it any better. (laughs) I saw this movie in the theater when I lived in South Africa. Da-da-da-da-drop. I saw mine in Scotland. (laughs) Da-da-da-da-drop. I saw mine in my living room three days ago. (laughs) In Um, America. (laughs) So I, when we, it was shortly after we arrived, this only came out a few weeks after Prometheus, I think. Mm. And I was afraid to take the bus home. In South Africa. In South Africa, because we were so new. I was like, I don't understand how the buses work. (laughs) So I was like, well, I will spend the entire day at the mall, because I had to be in that area of town. And there's a mall there, and I'm like, I'll spend the whole day at Cavendish, and they have a movie theater, and this is what was playing that I was vaguely interested in seeing. Mm -hmm. Cool. And it was, I liked it. Yeah, I had fun when I watched it, because this, for me, falls into the category of movies that is so stupid, and most, like, much of it, I think, actively bad, but I'm just like, yay, it's dumb! Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the, for by and large, it's the kind of dumb that entertains me, Right, and that would a thousand percent not be true if Charlize Theron wasn't in it. This yes. was part, correct me if I'm wrong, Regina, this was part of what made you fall in love with Charlize, yes? yes? This, this is a- the real reason we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. We had to claim it's all high and mighty young <laughs> adult. No, this is, I saw her in this movie, and I was just like, there is a person who is worthy of 44 hours of my life talking about <laughs> on recording. Well, actually, no, because I didn't know the podcasts were a thing back then, but like the, the specific scene where she gets the huntsman to do her bidding. How does she do it? Well, so at some point, Charlize Theron, uh, Queen Ravenna, needs someone to go and hunt for Snow White for her. So she gets a huntsman to do this, and he's all like, no, my wife is dead. I don't feel like it. And she just looks at him with a million trillion yard stare and screams at him, you will do this for me, huntsman! 
And we lost our shit in the movie theater. I was like, that's the greatest acting I've ever seen in my entire life. If she said that to anyone, they would immediately do whatever was necessary. What great writing, what great everything. And I was like, really roll credits, guys. That was the peak of the movie. (laughs) Next World War, fuck Uncle Sam. Draft poster is, you will do this for me, Huntsman. And I'll be like, yeah, I will get some axes. What do you need, (laughs) ma'am? It's so good, and I think for the rest of the episode, anytime we try to say it, we're just going to put in how it should actually be said. Oh, I want everyone to hear us say it. I want both. I want both. Because you cannot listen to her say this enough. You will do this for me, Huntsman! After I saw this movie, so like we had a good time watching it, my friends and I, and I, I made a Facebook post because much of this movie is deeply stupid, but I made special shout out to this where I was like, guys... Have you seen Charlize Theron say these words? You will do this for me, Huntsman! (laughs) Are you ready to do whatever she will ask of you? It is such a stupid but amazing, beautiful moment of cinematography. And if there was a scene, movie scene, Hall of Fame, first entrant, for sure. 100%. It's a great example of how Charlize elevates an seemingly mundane line. If said by anyone else, it wouldn't be convincing. But by her... Works 100%. Spawns a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, just the look on her face when she says it. Because I'm like, guys, look, I admit, I I can hear that those words are stupid. I can hear that maybe it's not great script writing. But when she says it, it is. It's so good. You will do this for me, Huntsman! So, Bob, what is this movie about? What happens? Okay, so it begins, uh, a queen is in the garden in the winter, and there's a rose growing, and she decides to have a child and name it uh, based on the strength of this rose. She names the child Snow White, wants her to have the resilience of this rose in winter. So that is then never called upon again. Why doesn't she name the child Rose? Rose. Because Sleeping Beauty is a different story, guys. (laughs) Her name is Briar Rose when she's in hiding. Come oh, on. okay. I got you. I was like, isn't that Aurora? Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez, Bob. So anyway. The dress is blue. The dress is pink. I could talk about that, too. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so this child then grows up to be Snow White, during which time the queen dies during a harsh winter, and the king uh, fights a battle with supernatural glass men. Correct. Uh, who he defeats and then finds that they have a prisoner. The prisoner is the beautiful and compelling Charlize Theron, or Ravenna, the obviously evilly named witch. Right, if you're marrying someone named Ravenna, you gotta know that at some point she's gonna turn into a bunch of ravens and murder people. Also, if you find her in a cart cowering in the corner, give her more than a day before you bribe her. Right, they say that they get married the next day. (laughs) Yes, it's literally a plot point that he's impulsive and impatient. Like, he marries her the the very next day. He's like, I'm locking down that cart woman. She's going (laughs) nowhere. So they get married, and then the following day after that, she murders him in their bed. Very phallically. It's <laughs> true. He's like, he, as a PG-13 of a thrust thrust, as we can see. Yep. I mean, I guess you could be worse in a PG-13 movie, but for a movie that is intended for 12-year-old girls, right. it is a fairly... They're, they're hoping oh, he is full, fully clothed. He is inside of her. Yeah. Yes. But soon she will be inside of him in knife form. Correct. Right. So, and then as she is murdering him, she explains, I have been used by men like you before. I took their kingdoms to blah, blah, blah. Like, fuck the patriarchy, etc. Kills him, takes over his kingdom as now queen. And then we see that the whole kingdom then devolves into chaos with glass men, evil glass men with show evil up. glass men and, showing up. Like all the grass turns totally gray. Guys. Yeah. So <laughs> I was watching. Dies. Sorry to interrupt. But yep. I was watching this with Colin, and who's a scientist. And when everything dies, he was like, "Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would everything die?" I'm like, "Colin, there's been a lot of magic so far. <laughs> a lot of magic. And this is the thing that you're going to object to is that there's <laughs> that there's rot." He's because like, of it. Well, how are they going to eat and keep their teeth so white? <laughs> right, what are the farmers doing? But anyway, everything dies. Everything dies, and she locks Snow White. She, Snow White fails to escape with everyone else who is good and true, and she gets locked in a tower. Not killed for some reason. Because she thinks that royal blood may come of use one day. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, Snow White grows up in prison, and at some point, the uh, you see the, the the famous mirror, mirror on the wall scene, which Charlie's also sells. Like that's a stupid, dumb fairy tale line, and she makes it totally convincing. Like it's a routine spell that she casts, and she's kind of like just getting through it. Like she really makes it seem convincing. Also, oh, like she's acting with a green puddle. Like she's alone in a room in a ridiculous outfit and she's saying like all this crazy shit and you're like the reality is like she's just there tearing it up with nobody. I got to say the mirror the effects in this movie oh, overall are really good. Great. Yeah. The mirror effect is one of the best. Oh. Basically, the mirror is a big gong and when you cast the spell, it like T1000 gold drips yeah. from the gong and Alex Mack appears. Yes. yes. But it that sounds like something that would look so cheesy and terrible. It looks great. Well, it's a combination. It's not just like liquid metal T1000. It also looks like cloth, like unraveling. Yeah. It's a really great effect and it really works well. And when you, when the, whatever figure is controlling the mirror like stands up and it's like all draped over it, looks phenomenal. Like it really looks like a person is there. Uh, and it looks like a real thing. It's I think so one of the clever. biggest strengths of this movie is their willingness to not explain the mirror at all. Yes. Agreed. And I think that is, I'm like, you should have leaned harder into that type of storytelling. But it's like the mirror looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We see how it functions as part of the plot. But, like, we don't know how she got it. We don't know why it does what it does. We don't know what it's important is. I don't know why there's Elvish on the side of it, apparently. But I think that's fine. And I, I think that that is one of the better elements of the movie's weirdness. And the mirror will make even less sense in the context of the prequel sequel. Right. But stay tuned for next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so she asks the question, who's the fairest of them all? And I think we see previously the mirror says, you are, you are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but then this one, this time it says, one has just come of age who surpasses even you, and it's, it's Snow White. It's no longer creepy to fuck her. Right. <laughs> So she's like, all right, bring her to me. And have we seen before that, like, she sucks the youth out of people? We did see this that. Is the thing? Yeah, she brings one of Snow White's dungeon friends. Yeah, she has, like, a prison of young girls that she then, like, sucks the life out of. Uh, and they don't die, they just get old. Yeah, when she uses any of her magic, it ages her, and it costs her some of her youth, so she has to, like, perpetually suck the youth out of women beautiful women there's an inherent paradox there though because she uses magic to suck the youth out of the beautiful women right i mean i'm willing to accept it it's like a net gain yeah Yeah. she's a solar powered torch basically (laughs) uh (laughs) that's a flashlight for our american (laughs) so we have seen this happen once and we believe that snow white knows that that's what's going on or she sees the old person and then realizes oh my god some crazy witchery is happening yeah so but the mirror tells her that if she her being the queen that not she can't just suck the life out of Snow White, but if the, she eats her heart, she'll, which is shown earlier, like you see her like creepily eating a bird heart with her. She wears these little like, like claw ring stab fingers. Yeah, which is a really creepy image, like of her just like scooping it out and eating it. Yeah, very very well done. But yeah, so she then then sends for Snow White, sends her brother who has the world's worst haircut to go and get Snow White. And he does so, but he has, like, a weird affection for Snow White. Like, he wants to molest her. He definitely comes creepily onto her. He yes. also creepily comes onto Charlize. Yes. There is yeah. a heavy incest vibe going on there. Correct. I think that he's like, well, she's a, she's about to die, and I've always wanted to bone her. So I'm going to use this opportunity of me being sent to get her to, like get her and that provides his lechery provides snow white an opportunity to use a nail that a bird told her about to escape i forgot the bird tells her about the nail. snow white does nothing on her own at all in the whole movie (laughs) she's like birds told me how to escape birds told me to go (laughs) in the trash chute a big stag other animals tell her things Yeah. yeah she's like i looked at a troll and decided not to eat us I was dead, and then a dude kissed me, and now I'm a person. Can we pause and talk about how when she's in her her dungeon, she says the Lord's Prayer? Yeah. And then her Christianity is never touched on again, and she does magic for the rest of the movie. Right. So I remember when I first saw this, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be this whole, like, Jesus versus magic thing, but... No, never. So why leave that in? I think that's the only indication we have that she's a pure and innocent soul. 
Well, that is a thing that I found challenging in the movie is so she, the reason it's her heart and her heart alone that will stop Ravenna from ever having to recharge her solar battery of evil is because Snow White has like fairest blood and she's still innocent. And it's implied that Ravenna is the way that she is because her mother, because she had fairest blood and her mother cast a spell on her that that would be her power, but it like went dark. The spell is your beauty will be your power. And I wrote it down because it bothers me so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, this spell will make your beauty, your power, and protection, which is a terrible spell. Why would yeah. you do that to your daughter? Well, because she's right. being abducted by, she's about to like go get raped. Like, so right. We see, basically at some point there's a flashback after Ravenna's men raid a village. We see a flashback of her village when she's a kid getting raided and her mother like hurriedly blessing her, not her son, but just Ravenna. Uh, because she knows also that- no appearance of the sister that we see in the prequel right, sequel. Never mentioned. Yeah, don't worry, we won't talk about the brother at all in the prequel sequel because he disappears. He disappears. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like meant to be like that. That's her defense against like an indefensible position to be in. Okay, I guess I just it bothered me so much because it's like this will temporarily help you, and then <laughs> you are screwed. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing that, like, I had a problem with is, so, like, Snow White is supposed to be innocent and still have fairest blood, but at the end of the movie, like, when she's fighting with Ravenna, spoiler, she wins, but, like, she's already killed a bunch of people, so I'm kind of like, what's her innocence that's protecting her? She's a virgin! But she does, she does get necked on when she's a corpse, so I'm kind of like... And she kissed that other dude. Let's pause. Let's put a pin in that and go back to the summary. Where are we even? So she's about to escape. Oh, God. We've got so much movie to go. (laughs) So she uh, manages to kick him in the crotch or whatever and scratch his face with a nail. And she escapes. She jumps into the ocean like yes. uh, Edmund Dantes. Yes, the guards don't like the most. The world's worst guards don't see that she, where she's going, what she's doing. She slides through the sewer, as indicated by some ravens uh, or magpies or whatever, uh, and she escapes out the sewer and jumps into the ocean. And then, like, washes ashore somewhere. Just fine. Don't no problem. Fine. There's an unsettled horse waiting for her. So she jumps <laughs> yeah. on Artex's back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she, she finds a white horse. She has some kind of commune with animals, is a, yes. is a thing that is never explained, but exists. Yeah, and somehow this horse is just there waiting for her. It is never explained, and Kristen Stewart never acts it out of her face for nope. us to understand what's going on either. So. Yes. She's she's a very pretty girl, but she has the charisma of a traffic code. Okay, let's talk about Kristen Stewart for a while. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt the thing again. Okay, I weirdly love Kristen Stewart, and it all comes from other people hating her. I, I, like, want to protect her. I feel the same way, and I do not hate her, and I have seen her in other things, and I'm like, she, people are too mean about her. Yeah. But in this movie, she is a black hole of charisma. She is miscast, is the problem. Correct. A couple things. First of all, she's a very pretty woman. Mm -hmm. She's not the most beautiful child who's ever (laughs) existed. And I know that this is like an impossible task when you're casting this kind of movie Mm -hmm. of this is the most beautiful person ever. But it reminds me of my dad like hated Uma Thurman for a while because she was in a series of movies where her beauty was like the Mm -hmm. subject of the film. Like Gattaca and the truth about cats and dogs and like uh, even like Batman and Robin. He was like, she's not that attractive. (laughs) And I was like, okay, dad, she's a movie star. But Kristen Stewart is where it's like, okay, you are a good looking person. You're better looking than normal humans. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of movie stars who are better looking than you. Like Charlize Theron. (laughs) You are decidedly less fair than she is. And then again, like I agree with you, Regina, Sort of lacking in the charisma, very wooden. Yeah, and I, I said, I was talking about this movie last night, and uh, I was like, I just, you know, they didn't give her anything to do in the movie. Like, she is a very passive character, and uh, Connor McCandless had a good point. He's like, yeah, but the thing about that is, you can always think of someone who only had, like, one line in a movie, and you, like, never forget them because they delivered it, like, so well or like, so interestingly. you will do this for me, Huntsman! <laughs> Well, I think he meant in a small role, like they only had one or two lines, but they managed to do it in a way that you're like, oh my god. So he's like, it's no excuse. Like, if you are a good actor, like, you should find something to be able to work with. And like, this movie revolves around her, but she's just so boring in it. It's so boring. Like, so she rides this magical horse into a swamp, and then the horse dies because we want everyone to remember 
the never-ending story. Yeah, the first, I the think first they're th- trying to remind you of the bit in the Disney movie where she runs through the forest and it's scary. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the whole next act in yeah. her in the scary forest. But, like, yeah, th- this is the first of many things that are stolen from other movies. Like, in my notes right. when I was writing this, I was like, oh, this thing from another movie just showed up. Like, I've maybe, like, seven times. Like, oh, the Ewoks just showed up. Because then the dwarves are like, oh, they're dressed as Ewoks. And they look basically the same. Well, I never would have made that connection, but I can't deny that you are correct. <laughs> well, the thing I was going to say about the horse, though, is I'm kind of like, so I say that she doesn't have a lot to do, but it's like she's being pursued. Her life is on the line. Her only means of escape is being sucked into a pit and dying. And she has to abandon this horse to run off on her own because she hears them. That's a lot of motivation. And she's just looking at the horse like, yeah, sorry oh. about that. I'm so bored of being in this movie. <laughs> it's painful to watch. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, I don't think she's a good actress in other things. I mean, I famously love an actor that many people think can act. I can't imagine who you're talking about. I, there's no need to go into it because okay. those people are wrong. But, yeah, she she is sadly a charisma vacuum in this movie. Yeah, I and just want to say that for all of my criticism of Kristen Stewart, I do like her. I think she, Actually, I think she's, like a really cool person. She seems charming yeah. in many other things. And she has a very much I don't give a fuck attitude towards mm-hmm. like the press and stuff, which I dearly love and has totally dealt with the hate that she gets from would-be fans yeah. and even from people like our president. Okay, <laughs> in the interest of time, guys, we are going to try to lightning quick go through the rest of the plot and then we'll get back to discussion. Alright, so in the scary forest, uh, she succumbs to a hallucinogenic thing that knocks her out. The huntsman is then hired in the scene. How is he hired, Bob? He is hired by uh, uh, Charlie's demanding, You will do this for me, huntsman! <laughs> but less gravelly. Uh, he is like shown to be uh, drunk and whatever, and needs the, the work or whatever. He tries to refuse, is uh, compelled to do so. Uh, so he leads them into the petrified forest and which he, and then finds her within like three seconds. And he's a huntsman. He's, he's a, a huntsman. huntsman. He, he hunts very well. They then betray him very quickly. Like he's like, yeah, she can't really do that thing that she promised. The could- thing was to revive his dead wife. Yes, when it really could have just been like, well, come back and we'll do that. But he just says, no, we're not going to do that. Also, she straight up could have because she spoilers for the next movie isn't dead. Yes. So he then betrays them, takes Snow White on a journey through to the other side of the petrified forest. They come across the many mothers from Mad Max through your road. Absolutely. Which actually happened afterwards, so it's not really stealing from anything. And they, there's a whole community of women who deliberately scar themselves so that they don't get their beauty sucked out. Yeah, um, like one scar on the cheek, you're good for life. Done. Because that affects, you're hideous your, now. Your magical genetics are affected by having a scar. Yes. Uh, whatever. They then take them in for a night, uh, and then the village gets raided. They have to escape again. They go into another forest, which is less petrified. They go into the sanctuary, which is like the fairyland, and it's called sanctuary. So you think it would be like, you know, hard to get to. But they just wander in, and five seconds later, so does their pursuer. So I don't know who they're keeping safe. Yeah, and then that's when the the dwarves show up. Uh, all played by very charming British character actors. They show up dressed as Ewoks to begin with, like I mentioned. They trap them in a thing. Apropos of nothing, decide that Snow White is a royal-blooded person and good and pure and deserves help. She Spe- is, though. Specifically. She, they're right, but uh, they're not demonstrated how they discover guys, that. Guys, this is my favorite part of the movie. The reason they decide to do it is they realize that she cured their gout by hanging out with them. Oh, they're like, right. guys, we've been sitting around the fire, and how's your fucking heartburn? Gone, am I right? We gotta do whatever this girl says. Like, <laughs> my old arthritis isn't doing anything. Like, they actually spent a lot of time being like, she cured your gout, so... She- you owe her. And yeah. that is so weird. At one point, the guy, Bob Hoskins, who's doing a very serious Patrick Stewart face the whole time. <laughs> is he blind? I guess he's supposed I to be blind. I think his character is blind. But he sees things. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those people. Um, but he uh, he says at one point, she's life itself. Can't you see? <laughs> Whatever the fuck that means. Also, they have an amazing cast for those dwarves. Yep. Why not cast little people? Uh, I don't know. That, the other movie, the snow, the other live action Snow White that came out a few months before this, Mirror Mirror, they cast little people as the dwarves. I feel like, you know, as impressed that I am that you got Bob Hoskins and Ian McShane and Nick Frost and yep. a younger Gleason, like, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah, it's, it's a very strange choice to do that. 
even more strange is the fact that they have Chris Hemsworth doing his terrible accent as the narrator when Ian McShane is in this movie. Right. As a key character. Like, him him or Bob Hoskins would have been a great narrator. Nothing. Don't use them at all. So anyway, those dwarves are very charming. Uh, They're probably the best part of the movie, I think. I am so sorry that you think that because clearly the best part of the movie (laughs) He meant that part was implied and then left us. Oh, yes, exactly. Aside from the obvious. Okay, good. The dwarves are the best, most charming part of the movie. Specifically, Toby Jones and Nick Frost and the other one whose name I can't remember. Uh, They're all very good, very... Ray Winston? Ray, Ray Winston, I was very pleased he managed to avoid calling Snow White a fucking slag. <laughs> because that's, that's an in-joke in my family, is that every time Ray Winston is a movie, he says, You fucking slag! <laughs> at, at someone. Which he did not do. I would he much rather have... he do that, and that they cut many of the dwarf songs. Because as charming as <laughs> they were, as this movie was fucking long. Yeah. And I was like, I don't need another ditty with a lute. Move it along, yeah. dwarfs. <laughs> Move it along. Speaking of moving it along, what else happens in the plot? <laughs> so then, once they are then protected by the dwarves, they then basically proceed on to the other kingdom where the good people escape to. Including Snow White's childhood friend. Including Snow White's childhood, who at this time, has we have also seen him like trying to get to her. Like He joins the villain's band of adventurers right. uh, in full Legolas style. Like, he is very, very skilled bowman uh, and can do many acrobatic things while shooting a bow. He has joined them trying to find her. Uh, at some point, they do run into each other and they uh, have a fight and he joins the dwarf team. Uh, and then they proceed on to the, the castle where he originally came from. He could have just waited there the whole time. Before they reach the castle, they see each other in the woods and he gives Snow White, like, an apple. Yes. So... What?! That's Snow White gets an apple? Oh, she yeah. does. From a dude? It's what a- happened by <laughs> So she, uh, thinking that this guy is the guy that she's traveling with. William. William. Her uh, childhood friend. She bites the apple. It turns out to be poisoned. It- she also kisses him. She ke- uh. They kiss. They talk about their childhood bond. Yep. They sh- praise each other a bit. They kiss. She and- kisses yep. him. She leans in for it. Yeah. Yep. The, the apple in a very chilling kind of effect actually like grows fur oh it's so gross yeah it's really really good mold effect she (laughs) drops it to the ground she is then unconscious presumably a comatose in some way that it is revealed to be ravenna uh who is about to then kill her again take her heart but then the huntsman and william show up and fight her off she turns into ravens and they slash at the ravens with swords and then one of the, I think the second greatest effect of the movie, other than the mirror, is when, so, like, the ravens fly back to the castle and, like, fall onto the ground and splat in this, like, weird oil. Oh, it's and so it's, gross. like, these birds flopping around looking all gnarly that then turn into Charlie's, like, dragging herself. It is really cool, but super gross. It's yeah. amazing. And she's in full old-person makeup, too, and it right. looks really good. I like, think it's a lot CGI. Yeah, I think, I think it probably so is. Yeah, yeah I mean, the effects are so cool in this. Yeah, movie. she she looks convincingly old. The only time I thought the old makeup didn't look good is when she died at the I end. I agree. Like it became a cartoon. But anyway, so uh, Snow White is now unconscious. Dead. Uh, everyone thinks she's dead, but she's not. They take her to the the other kingdom where the duke is being good and noble and whatever. Uh, she's put in a very large table in a giant room. A buyer. Uh, and that's what that's called. Okay. It's her funeral buyer. Learn something okay. new every podcast. Read another book about dragons, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you will learn so much the more you submit. Wait, so, so but William kisses her before they put her in her room, right? William kisses no. her. He like, kisses her on the snowy ground. And right happens. away, William kisses her. And right. so, so okay. The thing with William and the Huntsman is that this is a shoehorned love triangle because again, this YA tropes. Yeah. When I watched it, I thought, like, oh, how nice that the love triangle can be resolved by magic. Clearly, his kiss does not awaken her. Right. But then I read the Wikipedia page. And in their plot summary, they note that when he kisses her, a tear comes out of one eye. Mm -hmm. And then, fast forwarding a bit, when Hemsworth kisses her... A tear comes out of the other eye, okay. and that's when she awakens. Wait, is it a parable for polyamory? I think it might what? be. <laughs> and guess what? In the prequel sequel, it's going to get even more complex. We'll get there when we get there. Okay. So she's on her buyer. I looked it up. I am correct. She's uh, on her yes. buyer. Uh, Chris Hemsworth gives some kind of speech about something. He gives a speech about how much she reminds him of his dead wife. Yeah. Right. And then he then kisses he, her. Then he kisses her, and then she wakes up. 
So presumably he's her true love, or both of them are... It's two halves of one true love. Polyamory. Uh, what, what, what? Polyamory that one person is not at all involved in. Two people, because his dead wife isn't dead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so then she wakes up, gives a... What's supposed to be a rousing speech to an army of people who aren't interested in going to fight? It's the stupidest speech of all time. It I think we no need to sense. talk about that speech. Let's right pause now. and talk, we about, should the talk about the speech. Yes. Is she in her Joan of Arc gear, yes. which is also known as not armor. yet? No, no, she's wearing the white dress. Okay. Yes. So she gives a speech. Her virgin garb. <laughs> yes. Her dead also Joan of Arc gear in a different way. Yeah. Yes. So she's giving the speech, and if you were like, she gives it as if it is like this rousing, emotional, compelling, and motivational thing but if you were to just read it aloud like on paper it makes no sense whatsoever bob let's hear it read the speech out loud so in as plain as possible the speech starts death favors no man we must ride like thundering waves under the tattered battle flag of my father not no explanation as to why this is apropos of nothing this is the first sentence we have rested long enough frost to fire and fire to frost iron will melt but it will writhe inside of itself all these... Yep. <laughs> what does that Guys, mean? I'm following along. This makes perfect sense. <laughs> Next sentence. All these years, all I've known is darkness, but I have never seen a brighter light than when my eyes just opened. And I know that light burns in all of you, who I've met five seconds ago. Uh, she didn't say that part. Uh, <laughs> those embers must turn to flame, iron into sword. I will become your weapon, forged by the fierce fire that I know is in your hearts. For I have seen what she sees, I know what she knows, I can kill her. And I'd rather die today than live another day of this death. It's a, it's another moment. It's another moment? It is. She said, this, I would day. rather die than live another moment of this death. Which death? She was dead. Guys, this is why you prepare. <laughs> okay? Don't speak extem. Like, you don't have to. Right. And then it ends with, who will ride with me? Who will be my brother? And then everyone is then acting like this is all like, yeah, yeah, like cheering, let's raise an army. Uh, But really, they should all be going, what are you talking about? Also, like, you are, ma'am? Also, the thing I was most impressed with is yesterday, or earlier in the day, she came into town on a buyer, dead... And people weren't like, witch, kill her! When she rises from the dead and is like, let's be an army. Because, you know, these are people who are ruled by a witch. So you'd think they'd have strong feelings about women rising from the dead and trying to lead them. I don't know. I just, you know, I thought that might be a thing for them. <laughs> so after this, they do ride off as an army to attack uh, Ravenna's castle. And I was thinking, like... I wonder how the people who work on this movie feel because they literally, like, she gives the stupid speech and the next day, like, they're all outfitted, they're all riding, they're all going to war. And you know that the people who, like, got those horses, made those costumes, hired those actors, set up the shot, were like, this shit takes some time. You guys can't just leave tomorrow. <laughs> Especially if you have to make your swords, as was implied in the speech. Right. <laughs> you spent 15 years under the thumb of an evil queen, but you're like, you know what we were ready for? Full stage battle. Because large groups of people, they're easy to organize and feed so they do Mm -hmm. all of that they are approaching the castle and she is in full chain mail and breastplate armor exactly the same as joan of arc was exactly the same as alice in wonderland the new alice of wonderland was because i guess that's required now it's now a requirement that everything has to end in a large battle okay that is all thanks lord of the rings yeah thanks thanks for doing a good job on that lord of the rings now everyone has to copy you so, I mean, I think that they thought they're like, we're making it more feminist. We're giving her agency. I am a feminist, and I would rather this movie be over. Yes. <laughs> so they approach the castle, and she's like, if we're going to do a full frontal assault, we won't be able to get in. There needs to be another way. And she's like, I know another way in. And then, of course, it's the way she got out, which is through the sewer. And it prompts, I think, the second best line in the whole movie. Probably the best written line, but the second best delivery of the line, which is... Nick Frost, as a dwarf, crawling through all the shit in the sewer, is like, We were promised gold, but what do we get? Poo! (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't someone say, That looks like one of mine, as like a shit floats by them? Oh boy. Oh, yikes. Maybe. You know, if I'm walking through a sewer full of shit, I'm not making quips, guys. (laughs) I'm also not looking carefully enough (laughs) to recognize my own style of poo. So they they get out of there, they cause a distraction, they have to open the gate. Snow White marches in, kills a bunch of people with a bunch of other people. Oh yeah, she's stabbing. Uh, Goes up to the spire and fights 
Charlie's Theron. Surprise, surprise, she wins the fight. That's kind of it. She doesn't really win the fight. She wins the fight by stabbing her in the way that Chris Hensworth taught her to stab people. She also stabs her. She stabs her in the way that Charlie stabbed her father. That's what I thought it was echoing. Uh, I think it's both. But so Charlie's is on top of her, and she's like, "Mm, "Shink, I got you in the guts." Uh, And then Charlie's is like, and then she Miles Dyson's out, and. Uh, and then she slowly withers into a husk. It, the movie doesn't end there. Then the movie ends with Snow White, like, being a queen and making eyes at Chris Hemsworth, but with William at her side. It's like that thing where when the kid is doing their performance that they're, like, dance recital yes. and they're looking for their dad. Yeah. Yes. She's, she's getting crowned queen and William's at her side, friend zone William, and she's like, where's Hemsworth? Where's Hemsworth? There he is. Huh? Roll credits. Also, yeah. so in a YA movie with a love triangle that's about a fairy tale, she never necks with anybody. The only person she kisses is uh, Charlie's in disguise. So she never makes out with either of the dudes that she they makes eyes corpse. at. Oh, yeah, they yeah. do. Random note about stabbings. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, Hemsworth gets stabbed in one of the battles, mm-hmm. and he literally rubs some dirt on it. It's right. like the best thing in the movie that's not <laughs> Charlie's related. Yeah. So I yeah, this movie. I when you read the synopsis, it shows like the huntsman is sent to capture uh, Snow White, but they didn't expect him to teach her in the ways of war and be her mentor. Okay, that doesn't happen. But that doesn't happen. No. He shows her one stabbing move, and then now she's like, "I'm going to be a warrior princess." She literally is just like, "I've got my my breastplate yep. that is modeled over my boobs. Let's do this." She's like, "My pure blood and heart are going to make everything." a-okay and you know what she was right she was right yeah okay so the reason that we're talking about this obviously is Charlize Theron and this is one of her best performances we've seen yet I think because this is scenery chewing Mm -hmm. where she is savoring every (laughs) single bite she is 100% committed to what she is doing yeah which is absurd right yeah and she ha- like she has the scenery like in her molars. Like you're right. not getting it out. She's just like, oh, this whole movie is in my acting mouth. But <sighs> she's it's not ridiculous. like, guys, I'm here to be campy. Nope. She is no. doing like she's like, this is what this movie needs yep. and what it deserves, and I am giving it to it. And she is right. Yeah, well, she's doing what the filmmakers presumably intended, which is to make like a grounded, gritty version of Snow White. Right. And she is playing a very grounded realistically rendered character with the most absurd story and plotting ever. Well, see, I think that, like, her character actually, like, that's the... I do I do like her character in this movie because it's the only one that, like, I actually spend some time thinking about, and, like, I don't mean to read too much feminism into it, but I feel like they're sort of setting up, it's like, this is what happens, like, this is the extreme end of, like, patriarchy-pleasing behavior. When you're told your power is your beauty and your protection, right. what's gonna happen to you? Right, and right. if, you know, and if you, you know, have to rely on destroying other women to stay in your isolated position of power, like, what is that going to cost you? But, like, right. I don't think the movie's spending that much time on it. And I do think the movie's kind of like, but being pretty is a the best. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, that's how she's defeated. But I did want to say, in terms of Charlie's scenery chewing, I would like to read a lot of quote from Mallory Ortberg, because I think it is beautiful. <laughs> Please do. It is about, it is from her tiny letter, The Shatner Chatner, and she is talking about the new King Arthur movie. And she was saying... Watching Jude Law young pope it up all over the screen helped me realize something, and I just might understand him for the first time. I think Jude Law thinks he is Charlize Theron? I think, I merely speculate, I do not know, that he believes himself to alternate between high-prestige projects and campy, fun, fantasy nonsense movies, a la The Theron. People loved her in Snow White and the Huntsman, I'll bet Jude Law has at some point said to someone. The box office was almost triple the budget. Charlize and I are absolutely in the same league. <laughs> I'll bet Jude Law watched and rewatched her Dior commercial and took notes during the whole thing. It's not Jude Law's fault that he is in Charlize Theron. Obviously, I myself lack the necessary qualities, but it did remind me of the vast gulf that lies between real, earned, good old-fashioned scenery chewing and just, I guess, sustained pouting. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, if anyone else were in this movie, they would not have, I don't think, been able to convey taking the role in earnest. Right. In a way that wasn't like, aw, you're taking that role in earnest? Like, I feel like it would be right. easy for someone to be like, I'm playing this. And you'd be like, oh, you goofy son of a bitch. Yeah. But, like, she does it in, a, in like, a very narrow path that pulls us off through. And-, and keep in mind that, you know, I guess the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland came before this. Yes. But this really solidified, like, 
we are gonna make live action versions of all of these old fairy tale movies. This isn't a Disney movie, but Disney right. was like, we've got all these properties, we're yep. gonna use Beauty and the Beast them. coming right up. Right. Yeah. And like Maleficent is basically this movie, but right. they were like, you know what? Ravenna was the best character in Snow White and the Huntsman. Let's yep. just use Do, that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh my yeah. god, guys, guys, guys. Could there be a Maleficent Ravenna story where they just like hang, hang out, out and like eat bird hearts? Yeah. I would watch Love it. the two of them just have a conversation There's in costume same. for hours. <laughs> anyway, this movie like was actually really successful yep. and created a subgenre and a sequel that, prequel that exists, right? And a sequel prequel, which was not successful, which we'll talk it's about in our bizarre next episode. That, like you can say that this this like solidified like the formula for that kind of like yeah. uh, genre of grounded gritty fairy tale but it also it barely seems to influence its own sequel that's like, true we'll almost, the sequel has almost nothing to do with this we're about to talk about that yeah. i think this movie like i'm like trying to go up with a metaphor for it but basically like there are several tent poles that are anytime charlie's theron is on screen and it's like that's great and everything else just kind of sags and is boring yes and like i delight in chris hemsworth i think thor is a treasure to watch i agree mm-hmm. um his accent is Terrible. So is he bad. trying to sound Scottish? Yeah, I think he's trying to sound Scottish. Um, it's not clear because he also sounds equally Welsh and kind of Northern and Irish sometimes. A little bit, yeah. It's it's very... and also Australian, which he is. Yeah. So it's, it's a mess. It's very muddled. Uh, but I think generally he's trying to be Scottish. Ugh, it's so bad because yeah. that's another thing that I'm like tired of fantasy novels or like fantasy movies doing, where they're like the main kingdom, everyone speaks English, and when we go north. Everyone's Scottish and they're wild people there. With red hair. Yeah. Like, thanks Game of Thrones and every other iteration of it. All right. We got to get through some of our uh, regular features. We need to delight in some of our regular features. Thank you. I'm I'm sorry to act like, ugh, time for the stuff that we love doing every week. (laughs) We spent so much time creatively coming up with gimmicks for you. All right. So, Ebert or Mebert. Dun, dun, dun. We need a theme music for this. (laughs) Right? The queen is joined by her brother, somewhat diminished by his blonde page boy haircut, (laughs) who does her bidding, but seems rather out to lunch. Mebert. Mebert. It's an Ebert! (laughs) I finally got you, Shield! (laughs) I think that might be the first time that Bob was wrong, and I am thrilled by that. (laughs) It was about to happen eventually. (laughs) Uh, He gave it three and a half stars. Ebert liked it. Yeah, I think, I mean, the brother is... Uh, he's problematic and weird. And also, like, we's, in the flashback, he has the same haircut that he has as a child. And I was like, guys, I was going to get that that was the same guy. Yeah. You could have given him an adult man haircut. Also, wait, does he die? He does. Yes. Who kills him? Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Chris Hemsworth okay. puts him on a, a broken tree stump. And he's like, sister, save me, because she can use her power to keep him alive forever as well. And oh, she's like, right. I'd rather have small pores. So she lets him bleed <laughs> out. And he's like, didn't I give you all? And there's more uh, incest subtext. Yes. And then he dies. And then she cries because she's all alone because he was the only person he could trust because the whole world is fucked up. Except for her secret sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be discussed later. Uh-huh. Um, guys, do you think that this movie would have been improved? There's an obvious place for it! By a prison riot! <laughs> it makes me nuts when when Kristen Stewart escapes through the, the sewer. Why not have all the other young women yep. escape with her in a prison riot? And yep. then also she would have a built-in army. Guys, right. I really want the prison riot to not be the young women. I want it to be a bunch of grandmas who had their life stolen from them, <laughs> angrily fighting just a sea of old, even better, old women so prison the, riot. The thing about that is, like, you can do that at the beginning and you can do it at the end right also you could have the huntsman instigate a prison riot instead of a bar fight wait yep. to get discovered i'm sure you could work in a dwarf prison riot at some point there's so many opportunities none I, of them taken i feel that you can judge how good a movie is by how few opportunities there are to improve it by prison riot <laughs> <laughs> although i'm gonna say something controversial even though there could be a prison riot that would be awesome I don't know that this movie would have been improved by adding a prison riot because it's so fucking long. Okay, but it's so uh, long. Wouldn't you rather there be a prison riot than another dwarf loot song? Yeah, if yes. I can cut a loot and get some old women's fighting, yeah, thumbs up. Totally. If I can't remove the loot, mm, wishy washy. Okay, I understand where you're coming from, but as long as this movie is, I still think it would be better with a little bit of prison riot yep. in Snow White's Escape. Definitely. You know what else would make this movie better? Keanu Reeves. Guys, who would he play? Oh, this one's hard. It is hard. This is hard. 
Um, I'll go first this time because I think I never do. I would like Keanu Reeves to play her ugly brother because he'd definitively have better hair. And I also <laughs> think that for someone as beauty obsessed as Charlize has to be, she would have a beautiful brother. Yeah, they don't seem related in this movie. Or that she would make him that way. Like, if, right. she can, right. if she can save his life, like, I don't know if it's implied that she's keeping him ugly by saving all of the beauty for herself, but I would put Keanu in that role, partly because I haven't cast him in anything creepy recently. Right. And and although I, I don't want to see him letch up on Snow White, I think that scene would have been more interesting. And also, whoever played that guy was very Not phoning great. it in. Yeah. yeah. So once again, it's re- it reminds me of Keanu in The Neon Demon, where I'm like, yeah, he can play that role. Yeah. yeah. I also, that's the only role where I think that he would consistently be in scenes with Charlize. Which is always a plus. Always. <laughs> so I would have Char- uh, Charlize, I would have Keanu play the mirror. Because <gasps> I think he's a very underrated voice actor. Who does play the mirror? I have no idea. But I think that would be great, like to have... Yeah. Like, his, just his voice, like, his very mm. calm, level voice, like, coming out of that would be, at really a level good. of eeriness, like, the, the guy who does the voice at the moment is great, like, very deep, mm-hmm. very kind of ominous sounding, but just to have, like, Keanu's, like, level voice would be really and his delightful California accent. <laughs> but who would you cast Keanu So, as? I actually thought about this for a while, and... We still are allowed to, like, temporally adjust, yes. right? Oh, yeah. Of yes. course. So I would make Keanu, a young Keanu play William. Oh, that would yeah. be good. good because one. I find Sam Claflin, who I think is incredible as Finnick O'Dare in the Hunger Games movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know um, him. Although, actually, to be fair, I've never really watched the third and fourth. But in the second movie, he's <laughs> so, so good as Finnick. Yeah. Such a great character. I, I remember thinking, like, who is this guy? And yeah. I had just seen him in this. And I was like, yeah. I have no memory of him. He's just a nothing in that role. Right. And I feel like that, if you're going to shoehorn in this love triangle, put in a more worthy adversary to yeah. Thor, young Keanu, I think, would fit in there for me. So that's nice. what I think. Cool. But I like Bob's answer the best. Ooh. So I think it's time to rank this movie. Correct. Yes. Or actually, I'm sorry. One more thing. I always like to squeeze this in before we do this. Just like particular favorite Charlize-iness. I feel like we, this movie, I think we could have we could talk a lot about how great she is in every scene, but any like particular scenes or anything that she does that stands out that you have noticed in this role that were different. You <laughs> will do this for me, Huntsman! <laughs> the other thing I noticed uh, in my notes was, uh, obviously, um, was that uh, there's like the typical thing where uh, the, the villains will talk very quietly to someone who is like helping them, and then you just Speak very loudly to yell yeah. at them. The two times the she's like, out. Out! And she like <laughs> freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things I love about this role for her is a thing that I admire in improvisers is her willingness to take a lot of time. Like, even yeah. like, you will do this for me, Huntsman. Like, she could have, like, there is a period after every word she says in a way that, like, the pauses help pull you in. And I think that she does that, like, throughout the role. Like, when she's talking about things, like, she speaks very salubriously lugubriously one of those words she takes her fucking time in a way that is i think very delightful and also i think that she doesn't do quite as much like silent face acting as she does in young adult but she does a lot of just like just sitting there thinking murder thoughts and you can read them in her face and i think it's great so where would you rank it so i love charlie's in this role i think this is embarrassingly enough, one of my top five Charlie's roles. Right. Uh, because I think it's an important, like, side of her acting is this, like, high camp, ridiculous, but serious thing. But I find this movie hard to watch because it's so long, and the parts that she's not in are so boring to me, that I think this is going to be my number five, um, which puts it between The Italian Job and Two Days in the Valley. And I think I put The Italian Job it just edged it out a little bit because um, it's shorter. <laughs> I think I'd be more <laughs> likely to put it on again. And maybe it's because I've only seen that one once and I have seen this one twice. I very similarly put this right below the Italian job in my rankings, also at number five, because I can see myself watching the Italian job again quite happily. This one, I'm like, I really liked it the first time I saw it. I'm totally cool with having watched it again. I am done with it. Yes. Yeah. I would I would watch a good parts version of like just her scenes. Okay, yeah. 
Uh, so I rank this. Uh, mine is just just above Eon Flux uh, and below Cider House Rules. So that's in right in between there. And the reason is because I, like I I prefer Eon Flux as a movie. Like I would I'm more likely to watch that again. And Cider House Rules gets more of an emotional reaction out of me. But this one. It just pips Eon Flux because the Charlesianess factor is way higher. Yeah. Like, she is more of a presence. Like, this movie would be nothing without her, and she is very, like, a very heavy presence in this, whereas she's kind of underused in Eon Flux. Yeah, I think this movie, like, is why this podcast is a thing. Because I think if I'm like, oh, but watch her in Young Adult, it's like, it's very easy to be like, well, yeah, that's amazing. But I'm like, no, watch her in this movie. Watch her in a not great movie, be amazing. Just, right. yeah. And I'm like, and th- yeah. Mine edged out Cider House Rules partially because of, I know this is not a fair comparison, but because of the effects. <laughs> no. Like, that was a, like, a yeah. technical element of this movie that is so successful mm-hmm. that it was not just through the power of Charlize. Like, I actually went and did, like, math. I was like, okay, A plus Charlize, <laughs> A minus on effects, because there are a few, like, her being old yeah. at the end, where yeah. I'm like, eh, not quite. Yeah. And then C minus on everything else. Right. And I was like, well, that's a solid B plus. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it is worth noting, like, I think this movie looks great and her outfits. Like, we've oh, got yeah. the costumes in this. Because, like, Eon Flux, I'm like, you guys, if you had upped her outfit game, that would have pushed it further. She was a sexy beekeeper. <laughs> she was a sexy beekeeper. We could have had ten more beekeeper variations. True. But what about, as I said, her outfit, what about her eyebrows? Honestly... I'm not sure, (laughs) which I think is good. All right, so next episode, we will be talking about the prequel sequel, Huntsman Winter's War. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you to Alex Reed for her amazing theme tune. I have been Robin Hitchcock, and with me as always are... Regina Connolly. Bob Shields. And I would like to say a quick thank you to our friends in California. Oh, yes. Yes, we should, please. We should very definitely mention that High On Film, our buddies in California... Is a great movie podcast, so if you like movie podcasts, you should listen. They have way more episodes than us. Yeah, they were like episode 220 or something. So there may be a Charlize there. You guys can go look for it if you're you know exclusively in the Charlize brand, but try and, all their episodes. And if you're in the Us brand, I did guest on one of their live episodes uh, that was recorded yes. at the Arcade Comedy Theater about Independence Day. And we were both on the episode 124 about Terminator 2. Uh, so we have all been on that podcast and also we feel bad because they have been aggressively promoting us in all their recent episodes because they're kind and delightful humans and they've got a great podcast and they know from great podcasts they're like they see a a kindred spirit aww I hope so that's me bragging on us (laughs) yeah how humble of you anyway thank you to the Brad Davis that God gave us yes the world's greatest (laughs) introduction for any human being and uh, Christopher Alabama Maxwell (laughs) not his actual Thank you, High on Film. And most of all. And forever. Thank you, Charlies. And now you heard the Theronathon. Every word of the Theronathon. It just occurred to the Theronathon. I hope your heart was stirred by the Theronathon. And that your kitties purred at the Theronathon. Your curiosity spurred by the Theronathon. You're turning into a nerd for the Theronathon. And if you flip in the Yeah. Okay. Okay. And most importantly, we will thank you, Charlize. (laughs) (laughs) Well, our levels really spiked on that one. You will do this for me, Huntsman.